Hi everyone and welcome to the yellow card where my buddy Dipen and I cover what's hot and what's not in the English Premier League. Hi Dipen, how are you? What are your thoughts on the last two game weeks and what are your thoughts on what's happening with deadline day? Yeah, Chirag, what's up man? The games are going by so fast, it almost seems like a blur. I think next time I will have to sit with a notepad and a pen to note down what I'm watching because I'm getting all muddled in my mind as to which game happened when but it's been really exciting some really good games and as far as deadline day goes this hasn't been the most active transfer window for quite obvious reasons and i think it looks like it's going to end that way as well but we'll get more into it let's let's talk about the games that have gone by this past week absolutely the pain i i, I agree with you it's been a, a rather quiet deadline day and we can just go right into the past week's action what did you think about Leeds United thumping Leicester 3-1? And I think it was the Patrick Bamford show because he scored one goal, came up with two amazing assists and he actually was very, very unselfish in the third goal, uh, palming off the ball really to Harrison and allowing him to take that, 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 that last goal. Yeah, there's a funny incident actually. After the match, he was asked about his own fantasy league team. And he said, I'm so angry that I took myself off captain in my fantasy league team. Because two assists and a goal was a fabulous performance by him. And Leeds now have back-to-back wins. And there was some talk going on about the Bielsa ball and burnout that it is causing the players at this high level. And I think uh, that all has been quietly put on the back burner for now. Uh, They scraped through against Newcastle, but a fully, fully deserved win against Leicester. And it kind of looked like they, you know, they beat Leicester at their own game and they ended Leicester's seven-match unbeaten run. So, all all kudos to Leeds and Bielsa. Absolutely, couldn't agree with you more. Very high-paced game, end-to-end football, very exciting the whole time. But Leeds deserved victors because you could see that they're up, from the, up for the game right from the start of it and they couldn't have played any better in my opinion. It's typical Bielsa style. They went for it from the start and they completely, completely deserved that victory. So, kudos to Leeds on that. But where does that leave Leicester? And remember, they're still without Vardy and probably going to be for the next four to six weeks. Yeah, but they're still in fourth place. They're looking pretty good anyways. And as I said, they were on a seven-match unbeaten run. So, one loss, I don't think it. they should take it too much to heart. Yes, they will miss Wadi, but I think they have enough quality to, you know, uh, push through for the next four weeks or so until he returns. Well, that remains to be seen. I'm not so sure they can actually tow the tide, so to speak, over here because uh, they were looking shaky yesterday. Although, overall, yes, I think they have a strong side, but I definitely think that they're missing a striker. And I think they're really going to miss Wadi whenever he chooses to retire. Remember, he's, I think, 33 already. So, while with age, he seems to be running faster, eventually it's going to take a toll on him and he will slow down. So, I really hope maybe in this summer's transfer window, they can look for someone that can start to take a little pressure off Mahdi maybe. But yes, definitely going to be interesting. My next topic, probably one of one that's very close to my heart, especially when I want to rant. Because I think Manchester United are being Manchester United all over again. Absolutely. I think this is typical Manchester United fashion. Yeah, surprisingly though, went down to Sheffield United at home. Uh, they've lost now four matches at home this season out of a nine or out of nine or ten, and it's it's 
seems like a very poor home record and then went to Arsenal and a nil-nil draw and at the end of the game I I kind of got the feeling that they were happy with the point uh, which uh, for someone who was just at the top of the table a couple of weeks ago is not really the kind of attitude you'd expect and also I think Bruno Fernandes's form has been a little bit of a worry the last 5 or 6 matches he hasn't scored or provided an assist so that that's kind of a little bit worrisome from their point of view so I and I think it figures that either Pogba or Bruno Fernandes only one of them can do well for Manchester United at any given point of time looks like that and honestly they didn't really play like they were title contenders they played a horrible game against Sheffield for one to different word they really didn't even show up the pain so it was appalling to say the least it's it's problems of of of, of the old in the, in the last year for Manchester United defense what defense i i, I actually saw a clip where uh, some of the commentators and and uh, Uh, the reporters on on uh, whether it was Star Sports or something were actually covering. They actually showed how Rashford calls for someone else to mark uh, one person, and he takes the other, and then he just lets them go. He doesn't even bother following up. And and for someone to do, someone of the caliber of Marcus Rashford to do that. Remember, yes, he's a striker, but he's pacey. He can track back, and that's what he was doing. He was right outside his penalty box. So I was very very surprised to see him just. attacker from Sheffield just go in so fast into the into the uh, D and into the penalty box and and, and uh, nab that goal so to speak so really really bad football i would think on the part of manchester united when it came to sheffield and when it came to arsenal again they didn't look like they're competing for the title so when i talk about united arsenal i think the people that have actually the team that's actually come out on top with that draw is arsenal because they are all of a sudden making a comeback into that fold come back into the top half of the table and they're doing really really well so probably let's shift our focus from the red devils of manchester united to the reds of your beloved arsenal because there's a lot to be positive if you're an arsenal fan and a lot to be positive if you like mikel arteta because all of a sudden uh, he's been given the time and probably correctly so now on hindsight because I was probably one of the people that thought maybe his time is up and it's time to go, but uh, he's delivering the goods so far. Yeah, and they've put on a decent performance. It's a lot of positive momentum going in. They're starting to form a run of games without defeat of their own. Uh, too early to probably call it a streak, but yeah, good momentum going forward. And they were probably without three of their best players. I mean, Obama, Young, Saka, Tierney, all three missing from the game. these three if you were to pick three top players from the arsenal squad these would have been the three that you would pick probably so definite positives there uh, good things are happening but i think arsenal have kind of used all the slip ups that they could afford have already been used up by them so for the rest of the season it's always going to be one bad performance away from you know coating disaster so to say absolutely and remains to be seen what happens in the rest of the season because there's still enough time for them to actually climb up into the top 6 per se so let's see how that pans out for arteta and his arsenal side just just before we move on chirag leicester were in, are interested in uh, maitland niles to either get him on loan or buy him off arsenal but i arsenal do not want him to uh, want to send him out to a rival well i'm not so sure that's true because arsenal are way <laughs> <laughs> Way lower than Leicester right now. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want. To, I I heard he was also rumored to be wanted by Sam Allardyce. Maybe they shouldn't send him out to West Brom because one month ago they were rivals. Oh yeah, unbelievable <laughs> so, but true. I thought it was something a little funny there, but yeah, 
Let's okay. Let's let's move on now. What's next? The special one and a special team. Very special well, performances from the special one and special team. I have a special stat for you. Jose Mourinho has lost three of his away league games against Brighton at Amex Stadium. This is the first time he has ever lost three consecutive away league visits to any opponent in his managerial career. Jose Mourinho, what are you doing, sir? <laughs> really, we need to ask questions because. First of all, now they lost to Liverpool and they lost Kane to Liverpool as well. He's, he's going to be out for a while because both his ankles are apparently injured. That So, the bad news is that Kane is out. There's more bad news. Gareth Bale was in. And when was the last time <laughs> that someone said it's bad news? We're putting Gareth Bale in our starting lineup. But that's what it actually is, Devin, because he's not shown one hundredth of the form he had for Real Madrid. If I were the Spurs manager or a Spurs fan, there is no way that I would want the team to shell out the kind of money they are for Gareth Bale. He may have hoped to start more, but I don't think you can really blame Mourinho because I don't think I've seen a spark in Gareth Bale. He seemed very, very ordinary when they were playing Brighton. He got subbed off at 60 minutes and I actually was more happy with Lucas Mora playing that position. Personally, I'm happy with Vinicius Jr. playing that position as opposed to Gareth Bale. And that's saying a lot because I really like Gareth Bale. But for me, definitely not worked out whether his best years are behind him or he's just been injured and therefore not really been able to get enough game time and not enough fitness. I don't know. But the bottom line is Gareth Bale and Spurs are no longer a good fit. This is not where we were seven years ago. Time has changed. Things have changed. We probably need to let him go. And by we, I mean Tottenham probably need to let him go to Real for his last season when he's going to actually end up, God knows, because it's not like Real or Zidane actually want him there. It's quite an interesting situation. But for the second half of the season, if you're if you're a Spurs fan, you really need to see them playing some attacking football because just the counter-attacking game is really, really difficult. And it's more so even more difficult now because with the loss of Harry Kane. So it, it remains to be seen how Son, Lucas Mora, and even Vinicius Jr. make up for that, or whether Gareth Bale will finally come good. But it's not really looking good if you're a Tottenham fan right now. Yeah, definitely not really looking good for Tottenham. Uh, so, are we still sticking to the top four finish for the special one or have the opinions changed? I want to just wait because since you brought up the top four, before I give you what my new top four is, let's move to Thomas Tuchel and his Chelsea side because they were also part of my top four. At least Frank Lampard's Chelsea were once upon a time part of my top four. But the world seems to be crumbling around me because Tony am doing badly. It's the London clubs. It's the curse of London. I don't know. London Bridge is falling down. I really don't know what's happening over here. Because Chelsea, finally, they started off with a draw for Tuchel's reign and they finally got a victory now. So, not really bad. He's not really lost any game in his first two games in charge. But I also don't think that they faced a great challenge in his first two games. It's going to be... Interesting to see how he manages the team because if you saw what he did at the start is he just put up his most experienced side and he actually went out and said that, that look, you know what, I've, I've, I've done a disservice to the team rather because I, I'm just putting out people with experience right now because I've had one day of training and I don't know how they are. And if you look at it, he actually dropped the likes of Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham who have come up from the academy and 
वो फ्रैंक लैम्पार्ड गो टू मैन सो टू स्पीक हैविंग सेट दैट ही डिड पुट बोथ ऑफ देम इन in the second game so it's going to be interesting to see obviously tukil is known also for rotating his squad and he's also spoken openly about the pressures of being a chelsea manager and the expectations and he fully realizes that he's going to be out if he does not deliver and he does not win the trophies that chelsea football club expects i think that they are going to end up far out of far away from the winners and probably even the runners up of the league whether they'll make it to the top 4 is anyone's best guess because tottenham not doing well chelsea not doing well leicester are going to be without wardy can they maintain that i don't think whatever you do with west ham there are a top 4 5 side i think everton will end up just outside that arsenal are not in the top 6 nowhere close right now or rather getting closer inching closer right now because of a series of bad results for other teams So it's going to be interesting. I am not so sure I can predict the top four because I really don't know who goes where right now. Yeah, I mean that's. I think that's that's the beauty of this season. I think you you know two or three good games and suddenly you're a top four contender. Two or three bad games and suddenly you're you know still languishing in the middle of the table somewhere. So that's the beauty of it. But coming back to Tuchel and Chelsea, I think it'll take him some time to figure out. what his best side is i think frank lampard couldn't figure out for half a season what his best side was so i think we can give thomas tuchel i think four or five games at least to you know figure out which player plays well in what position what are the strengths of the squad as a whole and you know come out with the best performance but the new manager bump was obviously there to see in terms of the performance in the first game itself a couple of players even though playing out of position out of position played very well uh, overall chelsea had 79% of the possession although they didn't do much in the final third with it but they still controlled the game and uh, the the last previous game they won 2-0 was comfortable and things definitely looking positive although i must say that in my opinion frank lampard should definitely have been given more time Well, I second that. So when you say give Thomas Tuchel a chance, in my heart, I don't really want to because Lampard was a legend at the club. He's come on; he did really well with the youngsters last season. And Abramovich, with the same kind of ruthlessness he's shown throughout his reign as the owner of Chelsea, just continued to do that and showed Lampard the door. So it's not like he's behaved any differently with other managers. But I would say that I hope I would have hoped. that he behaved differently with lampard giving given the fact that he is such a club legend and literally he is the embodiment and literally is chelsea through and through he's all heart when it comes to chelsea definitely definitely agree with that uh, no doubt lampard did fantastically well last season especially under the circumstances that he had the team he couldn't make new signings he had to bring all his youngsters back who were out on loan and just made them perform like no but no one expected him to so They're a little bit harsh on him, but let then. I think what's done is done. There's no point uh, speaking about that anymore. Moving on to the blue side of Manchester, they've gone on what a 12-13 game unbeaten streak. It's a Manchester City record. I I don't remember the last time it happened for City. It's it's happened again under Pep Guardiola, where they are probably not playing half of what I would call their best football. They don't look like they're the Manchester City of old. Just thrashing in goals and thumping teams they definitely don't have a good forward line because aguero is still injured and i think jesus just came back in the last match otherwise he was missing as well but 
strangely, strangely, what has happened is they've got probably one of the best defenses in the league right now. <laughs> Who thought we would ever say that? So yeah, the Manchester City, I think their well-oiled machine of two years ago has now started working again. In uh, in a sense, they've gone on this twelve-match winning streak in all competitions, and they they've shown that w- even without Aguero and uh, Kevin De Bruyne, they can go and win five nil against West Brom. They can then go and rest three players, Sterling, Cancelo, and Stones, and still get a victory against Sheffield United. So with half the side, uh, half of their first side not playing, they're still comfortably uh, getting those wins. So I think it's really ominous signs for uh, the rest of the teams of the league, and their form is looking frightening, frighteningly good right now. Well, I absolutely <laughs> agree. I don't think anyone's going to be able to touch them, the pain, because they are league leaders now. They've got a game in hand. They are nowhere close to being their best. They have injuries. When they start getting players back from injury, which will happen during the course of the second half of the season, when they start playing their best football. It's just going to be scary. I don't think I would want to play against City, no matter which Premier League club you put me at right now. It remains to be seen how City deal with Liverpool this weekend. I I I think City go against Liverpool this weekend, and in my personal opinion, City will beat Liverpool. It hurts me to say it, but I think we have a lot of problems in central defence. We have not looked really good or really comfortable. Even against West Ham, we played played a poor, poor first half. And yes, we'll talk about the sublime second half. But they played a poor, poor first half, so they don't really look. If I were Liverpool side, I'm not so sure how confident I would be. I'm hoping that Mane's injury is not serious enough, and he would come back. And obviously, we'll start with Firmino. But ominous signs. If I were a City fan, I think they're walking away with the league. And if I'm Liverpool, at best, I'm going to finish second. Hopefully, hopefully, I can. I, I, I'm hoping that my team would string across, would string together a series of results that would see them uh, beat out the likes of United and Leicester. And hopefully, United will help us along the way with defeats under te- with, against teams like Sheffield United. So let, let's let's say that that happens, we'd probably end up second in the league. So yeah, that, that's my <laughs> personal opinion. But uh, I, I don't know whether you see it any other way when it comes to City and Liverpool. Yeah, I was actually going to build up the game that Manchester City versus Liverpool are going to play on the weekend, saying that this could be the season-defining game for probably Liverpool more than Manchester City. But I think you've just given away the result to that match. So uh, I think let's just talk about since you've been talking about uh, Liverpool, let's talk about Liverpool's performance. There was a very interesting moment against West Ham. I think around the 56-57th minute when Klopp uh, took Milner out. And Milner was furious, and he was fuming at Klopp for taking him off. And after the match, we we came to know that you know Klopp had told him initially not to run too much, and then he took him off. So Milner was all upset, as in when you tell me not to run too much, I don't run too much, and then you take me off. But immediately after that, Curtis Jones came in to replace Milner, and he provided the assist for Salah. And the reaction between uh, Klopp and Milner was just priceless. It was pure gold to watch that. I absolutely agree. You you could just see the expression on Miller's face at being taken off. He just couldn't believe what what had happened. And then you have Curtis Jones get subbed on, makes such an immediate impact. And if you look at before the assist, he actually was responsible for the run as well into the box. 
passed the ball, got the ball back, then into Salah, and Salah with a sublime finish. And like you said, the reaction from Milner and Klopp, and that just shows the camaraderie there in the Liverpool side, that shows the respect that they have for each other and the boss, and it was just wonderful to see. I, I, I could not be happier with the sight that I saw. It was just amazing. And hopefully, hopefully again, I mean, I'm going to be screaming next next Monday when we have our podcast because either I'll be screaming at the appalling performance that that that, that happened from, from a Liverpool perspective or I'm going to be telling you, pain. this is it. This was our season-defining moment and we're back in the race and now look <laughs> what we're going to do now. So it's going to be quite, it's going to be quite a Sunday and then it's going to be quite a Monday night when we talk about what went down on Sunday night when City go up against Liverpool because I'm very excited and it's not like, don't get me wrong, it's not like Liverpool are going to get blown away. They actually have a good chance. We still have three world-class strikers and if you look at what happened for this for the second goal, I think, it was on a break, Alexander-Arnold, a sublime one-touch pass to Shakiri. Shakiri didn't even take a touch straight out to Salah and Salah with a Amazing touch and then a poke. Wow. I mean, I don't know what is better. The way Alexander-Arnold picked out Shakiri, the way Shakiri hit that ball to uh, Salah. And let me tell you, when he hit that ball to Salah, I didn't actually think it was going to go anywhere close to Salah. I initially thought, oh my God, he's just, he's scuffed this. He's completely mishit this. And this was a chance which, which has gone a begging. Instead, it was the perfect pass. And what control. He controlled it with his right foot and toe-poked it with his left, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just amazing. What a goal. I don't know whether you're going to get a better all-round performance from any other team from a perspective of a goal. I think it's probably the goal of the season so far. And I would like to see that top in terms of a team goal for the season. And it was a West Ham corner. It came off a West Ham corner. And within a few seconds, you were at the other end with Salah scoring the goal. So it happened that fast. Gave no one any time to, you know, react or breathe. It was, it was just fantastic. It was magical to watch that one. But I think that, that Milner moment would, could actually also define the season because at, at least it defined the game because till then the game was pretty flat. Liverpool was also very flat till that moment happened and till Kurt, Curtis Jones and Salah combined for the goal. That game was completely flat. So that completely changed the momentum of that match. And it ended up looking like a very strong win for Liverpool. Well, Curtis Jones' magical first touch, so to speak. The, 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 so I will call it the first touch in terms of the way he's impacted the game immediately. And Shakiri's last touch before he got subbed <laughs> off. Those are two defining moments for Liverpool. And you're right. I think, I think the way... Things happened. Uh, you could just look at the expression on both Klopp's face and Milner's face. And I, I think, again, a lot of positives. We've got two good wins. Like I said, London Bridge is falling the pain because we got wins against Spurs and West Ham at London. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts about the blue half of Merseyside, the pain? Because we have Everton who played against Villa. And remember, both of them, top half of the table, both of them looking good. So, I mean, from from perspective of Villa, at least, they're generally looking good. Um, Ancelotti's side have probably weaned off a little bit in the recent past. What are your thoughts? How do you see that panning out in the second half of the season, so to speak? Yeah, so, 
Everton now have lost four games at home this season. This is the most that Carlo Ancelotti has lost at home in a season ever since 2007-2008 with AC Milan. And that was also four losses. And this this one, the latest, was an upset loss to Newcastle. I mean, against Newcastle, there was talk of uh, the whole side now being fit after a spate of injuries that they've had. And everyone coming back and returning with James Rodriguez being fit, Richarlison being fit, and Calvert-Lewin, all of them available. And somehow they managed to lose to Newcastle 2-0. So I have nothing to say about that. I don't know how that happened. But they didn't even look the better side. I mean, first of all, Thomas Rodriguez, while I love him for the way he plays football, he's like twinkle toes. He's this delicate little darling. He's always falling. He's always injured. I don't know what to do with him because every time someone kicks the ball, they end up kicking him and he ends up falling. I, I just don't know where we're going with it because it looks like he's going to get injured soon again. They, Everton, honestly, other than one chance which I saw that Rodriguez had, which I think he he missed, but it was a sublime uh, sublime touch from uh, Calvert Lewin, a back pass, a really really nice uh, uh, touch to uh, Rodriguez. I don't think that there was really any eagerness or any enthusiasm from the from the Everton side. You couldn't really say that they're here to win the game, which was really really surprising and really disappointing because they've actually let Steve Bruce off the hook over there because here was a manager who was tremendous. Uh, tremendous, uh, under tremendous pressure to perform, probably one of the favourites to get sacked next because uh, Newcastle are a big club and he's not doing well at it. Uh, and you've let him off the hook and Callum Wilson, two goals. So, two amazing goals. So, I, I, I think that, you know, really they could have done a lot better Everton and they didn't do it. So, not much to say from that perspective. But if I'm a Villa fan, I think again, moving on to Aston Villa and the way they've performed, uh, overall, I think a lot to be positive. I still think they have a game or two in hand. Uh, they're in the top eight. So, a lot of positives. Barkley's come back from injury. Again, picked up where he left off. Looking good. Ollie Watkins looks good. Grealish always looks good. He's like a house on fire. He's the one that carries this Aston Villa team. And uh, uh, again, even Martinez, I mean, I think literally one of the buys of the season because they've taken him off Arsenal. And I'm not really sure. While I think Leno is a good keeper, I'm not really sure that He's actually better than Martinez, so I don't really know who got a good deal over there. So, a lot of positives from uh, Dean Smith and the uh, and the Villa camp. Yeah, Aston Villa is always great, great fun to watch. And especially Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish, he might be one of the most foul players on, on, on in the Premier League, I think. But uh, he always puts on a show and he's always there trying to create something or the other, make things happen. And Ollie Watkins and Ross Barkley, as you said, they're also doing, putting in their uh, weight. And overall, Aston Villa are looking really good. This, uh, I think they also had, they're not in the best form, I think. They also had a surprise loss to uh, Burnley. And then again, Southampton just managed to scrape through. I think there was an offside uh, goal that was, that could have been the equalizer that was ruled offside. But uh, they survived and they, they do have a couple of games in hand and so do Everton, I think. So, they they are actually poised to come back in and around the top six, maybe. So, that that's definitely something we should look out for. Absolutely. And what you're talking about is another bad bar decision where Ings' hand was <laughs> offside, I think, literally his palm, so to speak, in the build-up to the Jay Adams goal, if I'm not mistaken. Because, uh, I, I again, I think that's appalling. I'm not going to waste time tonight 
criticizing VAR. I think Salah did that for me during its post-match interview this past week. So I will not waste my energy on VAR today. I think we can call it a night here, Dipen. It's a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a wonderful week. We will see you on the other side. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.